In the words of Meredith Marks, when it comes to that week, week and a half before my period, I wish I was disengaging. My PMS is off the charts. Truly Uber Eats needs to check in and say, it's about that time, isn't it? I know it is. The cravings are crazy. I want to crawl out of my skin. Now it's easier to manage PMS with Estro Control. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony and Estro Control, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. For AGs who are friends of perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause, Happy Mammoth has Hormone Harmony. It's not just a supplement for women going through those stages. It's also become a phenomenon. Women can't stop talking about it on social media. A bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code ANDESGIRLS at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code ANDESGIRLS for 15% off today. I'm engaging. With Mother's Day around the corner, are you thinking about a truly special gift for your mom or a maternal figure in your life? Let me tell you about mylifeinabook.com. It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Pretty cool, right? Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions you want to ask. Then she can either type up her response or record her voice. And mylifeinabook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audiobook using her voice recordings. It's like preserving her voice and her stories for eternity. This book becomes a legacy, something you and future generations can treasure forever. Your mom's given you a lifetime of stories. This is your chance to give her a way to share them. I want to know about the stories of how my mom and dad grew up. What's the first thing they remember after they were born? That's one of the questions I sent to my dad after signing up for my life in a book. And I can't think of a greater gift to give my dad in sharing his stories and to receive. It's super easy to use. My favorite part of it, as someone who sometimes lives on turtle time and forgets (laughs) about sending or receiving email, is that they reach out a couple days prior to sending questions just so I know of what questions they're going to send to my dad, if I want to change it for another question or customize it with something that I want to know. It's that kind of specificity and care that I love so much. This is genuinely an incredible, incredible gift. There's no greater present than I could give a family member or a loved one than to participate in this kind of meaningful appreciation for the entirety of their lives, separate from my own. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code ANDESGIRLS at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom or loved one this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com with code ANDESGIRLS for 10% off today. And thank the Jills, Aaron, and your life and mine. The only thing better than watching TV is taking it personally. You guys, it's taking it personally. I just recorded AG Classic with His Holiness, His Highness, Sir Dylan Hafer, who AGs know... And Dill had an idea before we recorded, because I said to Dylan, sweet Dill, sweet baby Dill, he's also known as the director of social for entertainment at Betches Media, host of the incredible podcast, Mention It All, and creator of Bravo by Betches. Sweet baby Dill, what do you want to talk about on taking it personally? What is the show that is meaningful to you in some way? You know, we had 
the first two episodes about Succession, personally, my favorite show of all time. And so I said to Sweet Baby Dylan, a connoisseur of the television arts and sciences, in the words of Dame Brian Mylan, Brian. <laughs> recorded four podcasts today guys leave me alone in the in the word esteemed words of dame brian moylan what is it that you want to unpack what's connect you guys can tell this is leading up to something and you know it because of the title but continuing on what is the show that should follow succession quite literally according to hbo programming but also spiritually as well and dylan sweet baby dill someone who I respect so totally and feel, you know, when you post that you've seen something, you know what I do? I think about watching it. Do I watch it? Probably not because I'm rewatching an Old Housewives episode, but I think about it, which is a sign of great respect. Dill, what did you suggest to me, Dame Sarah Galley? Be the show that we unpack on Taking It Personally today. Well, you know, (laughs) our task here is to follow up succession. (laughs) And like you said, HBO has spoken and the show that is following up Succession comes to us from the minds of the great minds, the the great minds of Sam Levinson, creator of Euphoria, which I I do happen to love and uh, Abel, the weekend (laughs) test Bay. It's the idol. And I uh, I described the the Sunday night shift on HBO uh, from two weeks ago to this week as going from the penthouse <laughs> to the gutter. <laughs> and I do mean that in literally. terms of quality. <laughs> I mean, we literally I live in a walk up, but we pretended we took the elevator all the way down. Look, there's rich people on both shows. So I, I'm talking about the quality. <laughs> I have to say. I was expecting anything but for you to suggest the idol. And I told you this. I laughed so hard. I laughed about it for the rest of the day. I la- I posted an Instagram story just referencing the fact that I was currently laughing about an idea that you had because it was so supremely left field, honestly, for both you and myself to like watch this because as TV people, we've read the Rolling Stone. I could call it a feature, but it's definitely an expose about the shit show that has been idle behind this, the idol behind the scenes. I'm just calling it idle because we're friends. It, it seemed like the world's worst idea that compounded and became a thing that seems to be quite mm-hmm. bad, premiered, and I had no interest in ever seeing a single second of it until today thanks to your inspiration and i would like to thank you for that thank you so much well in the spirit of you know sam and abel as i i think he wants to be called the weekend as i as we, i guess i prefer days of know. the week i prefer um, a wednesday to what he's got cooking but okay the thing is they they really want to um they have a lot of thoughts about you know what women want i guess and so <laughs> much like mel gibson so they I, know I, they know i knew deep down that what you would want was to watch this this program and i i when i suggested it i had already watched the premiere episode and there were a few a myriad moments that I just knew that Sarah Galley would have some thoughts about. And you know how I know, <laughs> entirely correct, you know how I know that I'm unwell is because even though I have hated this show since the second I heard about it, mm. heard rumors about it you know, through my friends in high places, also known as social media, <clears throat> and then read that Rolling Stone piece and was like, never will you and I meet again. I said to you when you asked I think essentially had I watched it yet and I was like no I want to watch it as close to recording (laughs) as humanly possible so I don't have to think of it and just have a guttural reaction and then be done but I said to you I do believe when you said that you had seen it no spoilers because as much as I knew I would hate this show I wanted to be surprised and yeah and and I think it, it is surprising um Partially, so w- one of the things that has... <laughs> You're talking around it. <laughs> I can hear it. 
So, but, you know. <laughs> so you referenced this Rolling Stone oh. piece about the show. And there, so there's a lot of. It was a fire sale of morality. A lot of layers going on about, you know, toxic things that have happened on set and culture and all of that stuff. But one of, when it comes to the production of this show and the development of this show, it was originally one thing. And there was, uh, you know, a a woman at the center of the show who was directing it, Amy Simitz. And then when they had shot 80% of this first season, uh, Sam Levinson and The Weeknd were basically like, no, 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 this is not, this is not what we think it should be. It's too, uh, too female. You know, the perspective is too... Uh, too girly, you might say. Um, we're going to take a break. We're going to rewrite some stuff, reshoot a bunch of stuff. And I was curious going into watching the episode, how obvious that would be in watching the show, knowing that they had shot 80% of it. They did not scrap all 80% of that. You know, they they took pieces. They did a lot of reshoots. They obviously added things. It feels like this is being held together by silly string like they they took pieces and stitched it together and there are certain moments where there's kind of like a a humor and a a, almost a satirical element to it that I there were parts of it that I thought in the first kind of half of the premiere episode there's this whole cast of characters around this pop star and they're dealing with the dilemma that in a in a slightly different light this could almost be like a sitcom episode or like a a, a if veep were about a pop star where mm-hmm. there's these kind of like you know various people running around trying to fix a problem and then <laughs> the second that the the weekend enters the picture it just is like Oh, so this. Oh, so this is this is what we're this is what we're doing here. Yeah, you had told me after I said no spoilers that you were like something along the lines of like it's not that bad, or I I sort of understood what they were doing until halfway through the episode when it all essentially went to shit. Before we get into more about the Rolling Stone piece and then our experiences <clears throat> in watching what is going to be a a, a truly terrible terrible six episode run what what was the essential um foundational original plot so it was like this like starlet yes. britney ask who they repeatedly refer to as a contemporary jocelyn <laughs> which first of all it's like okay lily rose depp beautiful the beautiful woman um, beautiful gowns. Beautiful gowns. <laughs> Gorgeous. <laughs> Aretha we, would have some thoughts. Lots of nipples. Um, <laughs> um, so theoretically, it was more about this this pop star and, you know, the pressures of the industry and all this was happening. And a dark look at that. A, a dark look a, at the ways that the industry can potentially a, even, like, potentially break a young yes. woman trying to survive, trying to thrive as a whatever. A dark look at that. Star. And then I understand there was some element of it that was, like, cult-ish. That the weekend's character was going to be somewhat of a, like, cult leader. Mm. But then in the reframing of it from a... uh from a more manly perspective, now it's more of this um, dark sexual odyssey. It feels like everything that is happening when the weekend is on screen is like intensely from the straight male gaze. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that straight male gaze actually, int- I think the cult stuff, like the Nexium energy that apparently mm-hmm. we're you know, going to be experiencing that we, I guess, technically already have through the premiere, some like little um, points of it. And certainly in the trailer for the season as well, I think did the weekend, I thought the weekend sort of introduced the Nexium element of it. I'm looking at a different part of the Rolling Stone piece and it says like four sources say that Levinson, so that's like Mr. Euphoria, ultimately scrapped, is it Simitz's? 
Simitz. Yeah. Simitz's approach to the story, making it less about a troubled starlet falling victim to a predatory industry figure and fighting to reclaim her own agency, and more of a degrading love story with a hollow message that some crew members describe as being offensive. So I think that the the Nexium cultish vibe was present in the original version. Oh, and then and now weekend it's, was like, more please. Now it's been turned into more of a Introductory 101. Pornified love story. Cool. That it's like, no, it's not a cult. It's like hot. Yeah. And this might be (laughs) genuinely triggering to some people. um, So I just want to say that at the top of um, the middle of this episode, essentially. Um, But this is a quote from someone um, in the Rolling Stone when it comes to any kind of like sexual trauma or anything else, which seems to be the through line of this show. Um, This was from the Rolling Stone piece. It was like any rape fantasy that any toxic man would have in the show. And then the woman comes back for more because it makes her music better. Right. One production member explains of Levinson's version, which is the version we are now so thrilled to enjoy. Um, It feels like in watching the premiere episode, that that is unfortunately exactly what this show mm-hmm. is going to be. Like the fact that they felt there was too much of a woman's perspective and a woman's role when the entirety seemingly of the original synopsis was literally about that. Like any kind of cynicism or sardonic dark humor was supposed to be not from like the victors here, but for people representing the greater industry and instead what they're doing is like we're actually going to be the punchline but we're gonna make the punchline the hero we're gonna make the cynicism and dark arts and some unfortunate narrative storytelling around creative rebirth and I don't even know like bondage without prior information like it's just it's going to be a chaotic shit show that exactly plays into the kind of toxic masculinity and frankly, like lazy, creative TV making that the original director would probably want to focus on as, you know, next season's plot. Well, and I think the, the scenario, I don't know how much you care to get into the the plot specifics of what's happening in the episode, but the whole situation that's happening in the first, we're going to be graphic just to let you know, the whole situation that's happening in the first half, basically there's, uh, you know, Jocelyn is this, pop star who's mounting this new album push whatever and there's an explicit photo of her that leaks online and it's essentially uh, a clown car full of you know managers and execs and you know a, a real cast of characters kind of wafting in and out of her mansion as she rehearses for a music video kind of trying to run interference on this whole situation and you have i mean it's people like like jane adams is a record label executive dan levy is her publicist hari neff is a vanity fair writer who is uh inconveniently there to write a profile all of these people are talented actors who you know hank azaria hank azaria is doing a divine joy randolph oh love divine honestly i love everything that she does rachel senate Senate, one of my favorite um you know kind of like rising people of the last couple years plays jocelyn's live live in best friend and assistant which as you can imagine (laughs) comes with a whole um you know laundry laundry list of uh of things but I mean, there really is this like world that is built pretty quickly around this person that could be so interesting. And it feels like that is kind of setting up for like, you know, like I I compared it to Veep earlier. It's not it's not funny in the way that Veep was funny. (laughs) Like it's like, I think a good point to make when I, when I compare it to Veep, I don't, I don't want people to take that as a, as an endorsement because Veep, I think is one of the best shows of our time. But, but in terms of the, the, the structure that's being set up, that it's like, we're focusing on an industry and kind of showing you like the shit show that's happening behind the public facade but then it's like this whole 
other part of it just feels sort of tacked on and like both unnecessary and unpleasant in a way that's it's not like I like watching things that are challenging and that are complicated and that maybe aren't you know there are things that I watch that make me feel very stressed that I think are done extremely well that are that are you know complicated and layered and artful in a way and this is just something where it's like no I'm just having a bad time (laughs) there are shows that I think have been so excellent that make me feel bad the Patient, I think, was the name of oh, it. Yeah. The Hulu limited series with, with Steve Carell, yeah. where he plays a therapist who deals with a, you could say, um, a, a relatively difficult circumstance um, with a patient he begins to see and attempts to treat. Um, that show I looked forward to with enormous dread. I had to watch it during the daytime. It's on Hulu. It's called The Patient. I had to watch it. I did not look forward to it. The second that episodes were over, I was like, okay, and then, you know, six more days or whatever, and then I can survive the next one. Mm -hmm. And it was one of the best things, the most affecting things. It actually, while very uh, unnerving at points, did so much in terms of talking about the nuanced um, experience of being Jewish and how trying to juggle the ways that one person looks at their religion and culture versus another within the structure and religion of Judaism that I thought was really, really, really well done that I really connected yeah. with. And unexpected too. Totally unexpected. From that premise. Yeah. From the premise, but was in fact at the heart of the show. It was, I would say, a very Jewish show in the ways that it talked about communicated Judaism in a way that was effective and meaningful and really powerful that I felt as a Jewish person who, you know, like doesn't often see that on TV. I thought it was excellent. And Steve Carell, mm-hmm. as well as, what is it? Dom Hall Gleason? Donald Gleason. Do- Donald, yeah. Donald Gleason. Um, that I felt like they did. <laughs> not great with names. That I felt like they did a <laughs> dumb Hall? Don't dumb. It's, it's Irish. It's, dumb, it's tricky. Wait, okay. That I, and also his dad is Brendan Gleason, who is yes, phenomenal. Is. Um, I knew that. Just know how to say his name. Um, Ding. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> But that was an example of a show like there are shows that are difficult to watch, shows that you might not agree with, shows that like creep you the fuck out that are powerful. And I don't know that anyone thought this was going to be that except for Sam and Days of the Week. It's yeah. Yeah. I also just in the first. So there's this, you know, photo shoot going on, music video, whatever, among the among the the chaos that's happening in the first half of the episode, which overall I enjoyed more than the second half of the episode. Amen to that. But there's this, we we have to spend the first, there's like this thread in the first 10 minutes also that the the person who is causing the most problems, who's getting in the way of everyone else's success, knowing Sam Levinson, of fucking course, it's the intimacy coordinator that he is... <laughs> That the intimacy coordinator is just this pain in the ass, and God forbid he wants to follow the the legal documents that have been signed. And he, um, it felt like Sam Levinson was really uh, getting something off of his chest. And based on uh, based on things that we've heard about the experience of making Euphoria, I think uh, Sam Levinson is probably not the biggest fan of intimacy coordinators. And I just felt like that was a little bit like, really. I found that moment honestly interesting just to provide a little background on the BTS of Euphoria. So Euphoria is a show that's on H- this is really when it comes to like HBO Max or Max as it likes to be called. A show like Euphoria belongs on HBO. A show like The Idol belongs on Max. Like and I think that they're probably proud of that. But getting into Euphoria. So Euphoria is about a group of allegedly high schoolers or maybe this is really high school. I mean, I, as we know, I am quite young, spiritually mid-20s plus, but a group of high schoolers who are struggling with relationships, sex, t- attempting to mature or really survive, drug addiction, family dynamics, abuse. Uh, there's a lot going, um, sexuality. Mm-hmm. There's a lot discovery, but really through, honestly, the lens of survival. And it's very, very high paced. Like you feel your heart racing at times when you're watching. And I think it's really well done. But there has been heavy criticism behind the scenes, not only about the ways that the show has portrayed, especially 
um, female characters, but the ways that many of those ac- young actresses have been treated, including seemingly uh, uh, being asked, asked in quotes, to participate in incredibly gratuitous um, scenes that involve nudity. And apparently over the course of like relatively politically correct interviews, there's been some conversation I think with Sydney Sweeney in particular mm. saying, you know, and I love it and yada yada. And I like maybe push back a little bit on yeah. in the second season or whatever else about the ways this was done. Um, but there have been other complications I think, because um, Sam Levison kind of sucks. I think the writer, director, creator. Yeah. Minka Kelly was also played a small role on season two. And I think she kind of vetoed a nude scene that was written for her character, which her character was like, not even <laughs> the, someone was a babysitter right. and she's the mom. So like I could assume that Sam Levison would be like, OK, take off your top. We need to see your tits for at least 15 minutes. And you're going to be coming home from work totally naked, right. having a conversation with the young lady who babysits your kid. And I think the idea. Let's make art. <laughs> right. So like that, knowing that context of that situation on Sam Levinson's, you know, most most important you know work thus far yeah the fact that this this next time that he's given essentially a a blank check to do whatever he wants to do he's spending the first five minutes of the show basically using this platform to be like god intimacy coordinators kind of fucking suck right like (laughs) it just it's it's the kind of thing where it's like if that was the only issue with this show maybe it would be a different conversation but it's like it adds to the overall, um, I think, kind of like ickiness that feels like is kind of pervading this whole show. Paris is always a good idea. And when I schlep on over to Europe to my favorite city in the world, I bring with me a few important phrases that I have learned from housewives. C'est bon, c'est bon. Chic, c'est la vie. Je m'appelle the Countess. N'est-ce pas, Luan? And while those key phrases are important when speaking to any French bravoholic for other matters of life, that's where Rosetta Stone comes in. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including, of course, French. It features fast language acquisition. It immerses you in so many ways. There's no English translations. So you really learn to speak, to listen, and to think in that language. It's an intuitive process. You pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. J'adore Chris Manzo. Et toi? There's a speech recognition filter, which gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's convenient with desktop and app options, and it's an amazing value. Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. A steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Today. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. It delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Living in New York City is not easy. Just ask Sonia, trying to sell that house. There are so many mornings where I wake up and think, oh my gosh, I'm having the worst cold of my life. And I realize it's actually from allergies. 
when my nasal allergies flare up, and that happens when the season changes and the temps get a little warmer than they normally are, I use Astapro, and I'm amazed at how fast I'm back in the game. And that game is looking for Dorinda on the Upper East Side. Astapro always has my back and nose. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. I just came back from the salon, and for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time (laughs) with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells unbelievable. Believable. Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy. Yeah, and it's just so interesting that Sam Levinson's dad is Barry Levinson, who's an accomplished, iconic um, director, comedian, actor. He's done everything under the sun. And if there could be a parable about why you shouldn't have your kids go to Hollywood, let's see what Sam's up to, because he seems to just have a lot of I mean, he seems like a creative guy who's like doing great stuff. So I don't entirely mean that, except that I kind of do, because There is a way that he has doubled down on what have been pretty serious reports of like toxic behavior Mm -hmm. on his sets. And he's making fun of an intimacy creator who in over the course of, you know, this scene in the idol is just attempting to say like, yeah, you're telling me that you, um, you know, your contract was negotiated. It's, uh, um, negotiated for a reason. You're telling me you want to show your tits. You can only show a side of them. And if you want to make a change, you have every right to, but it takes 48 hours to do that because the whole point of having these contracts in place, which surely your team did for a reason to protect you, is so that you won't get coerced at a photo shoot. I actually, correct me if I'm wrong, we can have absolutely different takes. I thought that made so much sense. I was like watching the intimacy creator talk about that. And I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense to yeah. me. I'm so glad that this is a part of a part of um some productions now. And the but he was supposed to be the punchline. Oh my god, she can't show her body in the ways that she wants. And it's like because she's being coerced. Right, and she's on the bed. She's like, let coerced. me show my tits. Like, I I mean, right. It's like obviously, I don't think everything that happens on every TV show is like. Um, you know, the creator of the show speaking through a megaphone about how they personally feel. But I think with with Sam Levinson, it's just a little bit like you're you're doing the exact thing that people kind of expect you to do in the in the worst way. And yeah, I mean, the person on the other side of the camera has a has a famous parent, too. And that's a whole other like can of worms. But I it is know. an absolute. <laughs> 
it is an absolute. Like, we're talking about Barry. We got. Yeah, we can't. I mean, <laughs> the layers here are intense, yeah. but it just is like it became a joke to me that this show was still going to continue. Understanding the fact that that Rolling Stone piece, which I will link to in the show notes for this episode, was just such. A, I mean, like in the lightest way, such a drag of this whole experience, and talked about sources close to production, including members of the crew, who feel. Like they've been not manipulated, but I mean, I guess a little. They joined a, a particular kind of show yeah. according to a script that sort of no longer exists. And now the exact opposite is happening and it's going on HBO. Like there is something so fucking wild about Succession and Barry ending, both of which I think are incredible top tier shows boundary breaking in men in two totally different ways and we look at Barry and what Bill Hader did and the ways that he was able to embrace the darkness with edge and wit and pathos and just a lot of a lot and really really delivered both of those shows and now we're going to the idol because I don't know. Girls can be cray until they meet a guy with a quote unquote rat tail to put a fucking knife in her mouth. Like, what the fuck? And she get and that's how she and she's a creator now. Now she's a creator. Uh, He released her from the industry. Inside every good girl is a bad girl waiting to be shown how to fuck. (laughs) That's literally I mean, it's like 50 shades, like 50 shades thank god i guess was not this it's like it gives me this weird oh it's like yeah i don't know if someone terrible read moulin rouge and was like i can do better than that it was just very unfortunate i am just glad that i'm taking it personally i'm <laughs> taking it personally. i'm glad that this season is only like six episodes long because i'm hoping that means that um in five or six weeks time we'll never talk about this ever again the women of the gilded age might be coming back to my (laughs) screen wait you're saying that the idol is not the gilded age of television is that what i'm hearing from you how dare he's an auteur all i want is carrie coon and christine baranski Mm. in their dueling 1880s glamour yes i haven't seen it but i back on my screen and cynthia nixon yes and cynthia nixon and half of half of the Tony winners alive today. That's all I want. I haven't seen a second a second of it. I think I actually did watch and fall asleep too, which is not its fault. It, it's I do sometimes a melatonin watch where I'm like, yeah. you know, trying to get to sleep, and I that is actually the best possible time for me to focus on prestige TV because I'm too tired to lift up my phone while I'm like on my computer, you know, not pressing pause. So honestly, I'll try if it you're again. if you're listening to this and you've neither you've watched neither The Gilded Age nor The Idol, if you had to choose one, I know it's tough for you Dylan but what would your recommendation be just pretend the idol doesn't exist and spend the next few Sundays catching up on the Gilded Age (laughs) it's like a it's a tonic isn't there something you could meet in the middle the Gilded Idol perhaps well I guess American Idol (laughs) I think I thought the show was based on American Idol is it not is Jocelyn a stand-in for Kelly Clarkson (laughs) could it be um what did you think of the weekend's uh, acting or whatever. Um, not, not great. Not great. I think dark and <laughs> ominous is the energy. He's like he's very he he sort of knows what he's doing, but maybe not. I don't know. I the thing is okay. The character. I mean, I am a fan of the weekend's musical career. I have been for a long time. I I really I really have been. I've been hot take. It's not though. I know. <laughs> Uh, no, but I've been. He's, ta- he's a talented musician, and I've been I've been listening to his music for b- over a decade. At the, like, I really go back more than half of the time that we have been alive. I go back kind of to the beginning with him, and so I, you know, I think he's a talented person. I think he has the way he's like elevated his music career has been impressive because when I've started listening to him, he was like sort of an underground like kind of you know much more mm-hmm. like vibey kind oh, of person and the fact that he's now doing like sold Superstar, out stadium yeah. shows Super Bowl halftime show like he really has 
exponentially. He's multiplied his thing while still kind of keeping a kernel of really like that spark. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really impressive. But I just, I hate, I I mean, I think, you know, acting and like the, you know, Hollywood, whatever, it's not like a, it's not like a meritocracy. I don't think the most talented people are always the ones getting the opportunities. I think that would be naive to think that, but it's just like the fact that this guy who's only acting credit before this was a cameo as himself in Uncut Gems. Also known as, how is it also pronounced? Uncut Gems. <laughs> a great film. A, uh, I, w- uh, one of my favorite films of the last few years. I just think that there was a little more vetting that needed to happen before he was kind of given this carte blanche to to do this. And I think he could have been a creative voice in the room. And I'm sure Sam Levinson obviously was more involved on the like filmmaking side of it. But like, I don't think he has what it takes to lead a TV show. But it's it's hard to think of requiring <clears throat> The weekend to have a certain amount of credentials or experience that Sam doesn't utilize because he's the kind of guy who like doesn't have a full script, doesn't have a shot list essentially tells actors the day of the shoot what it is that they're like maybe or maybe not going to be working on it sounds like improvisation is a big maybe part of this or just like thinking on your feet and like working as a collective which might sound good except when you have a huge crew of people who are dependent on organization and some sort of through line here both in front of and behind the camera and I guess his Sam thinks like there's a mastery of the chaos, which he's not entirely wrong in terms of the product he created with Euphoria, but it just becomes a capacity thing. Like how long can you keep up with this kind of stuff? And he's now being rewarded for it mm-hmm. with maybe the idol is the time in which people are like, okay, maybe the shit that you're doing on Euphoria works for Euphoria, but like maybe you're not the guy to replicate it. Yeah, and I think there's I think there's uh I to me I based on what he's done with Euphoria and I think you know the first episode of The Idol it looks good it's not like it's an ugly show to look at I think he's undoubtedly a a talented filmmaker in that sense of like putting something on screen but that's not exactly the same skill set as being like a storyteller that is somebody who should be like shepherding these things from start to finish with no other voices in the room and you know being a being a skilled director is not is a very different skill than being like a skilled writer and you know I I just think it yeah and there are people who can do both and For one sure. could argue that at points he he definitely can I mean it's his vision of euphoria seemingly that has yeah. created a very very specific kind of universe but a huge part of that is its treatment and perception of women and what works for euphoria is having a superstar at as as you know a part I would think of like maybe some of these decisions being made in Zendaya, who Mm -hmm. is in, did I say that correctly? I'm so dumb. Um, I'm very young. I'm very young in terms of both what she has been able to do with incredibly fearless, very brave and powerful performance. One of many people on that show who's like really great, but I have to say I was very late to euphoria i remember a conversation with you over deep COVID. i think it was you and our friend keith and maybe katie where i was like you guys were talking about how great euphoria is Mm -hmm. and i was like cool 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 um but i feel like it's gonna be a lot of like problematic stuff with like maybe assault and stuff that i don't want to see and like sex in a way that i don't want to see it and i just think it's gonna be really dark and uncomfortable and you guys just seem to fucking like it so much that i was like okay let me give it a try and not to say that there aren't many dark points including potentially consent among other elements um, it's really, really well done. And the and I think the acting is incredible. I was really surprised by how much I enjoyed it because, frankly, my fear about Euphoria before seeing it was that it was going to be what the idol turned out like yeah. to be. It's just yeah. unfortunate. And I think that's like when when you're comparing the two, I think 
it feels kind of so puzzling that the idol is so off when you think about euphoria. And like you said, there were so many, there are so many places where euphoria could have gone off the rails. And I mean, I know not everybody loves that show. I think there's room, you know, always room for disagreement on that, but that like, obviously by and large, the critical opinion and the public opinion of that show has been so positive. And I mean, I know that we don't necessarily always have the same opinions as everybody else, but um, the idol has a 26% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> um, it was it. The first two episodes premiered at the Cannes Film Festival. Um, it was it was not well received there. Where everything <clears throat> is well received. Literally, I mean, every, well, stepping to, in the door, you get a 15-minute standing ovation. To be fair, it got a five-minute standing yeah, ovation, that's... but the actual reviews weren't good. Right. And so, like, this is a show that has been, just as much as Euphoria has been widely embraced and right. celebrated, this show is is getting none of that, even from, you know, Euphoria's biggest supporters. Yeah, and I feel like the reality is that the idol absolutely to me could not exist without Euphoria, but you can't say the same LOL about the idea of Euphoria with the idol. Like I don't yeah. think the idol folks would have gotten in by folks I mean essentially Sam is the creative would have gotten the opportunity to make Euphoria had the idol not existed. Although toxic men who maybe if it was his first time at bat does a bad thing chances are they're going to give him more money and a budget. Nepo, Nepo baby. Like for, this is like legit Nepo baby and just a whole lot of other shit. Like, would you, are you going to continue watching as a cringe watch or something else? Like, is there any kind of curiosity that you feel including in like doing this as a hate watch? Like no judgment, obviously safe space. Um, I don't know if I'll watch all of it. I think I'll I'll probably give it one more. I I don't like to abandon things, but then also yeah. I I definitely do sometimes. It's not like I'm like so strict about that, but I think knowing that it's only 6 episodes, I'm like I could push through, but also I'm not 100% sure that I will. I don't I, know. I really do not <clears throat> want to watch it ever again. And the fact that there is this like cult energy that then takes over that there is some sort of like nexium style which you if you don't know what that is you can google it and fair warning keith ranieri is you know not a great guy um and in jail for the rest of his life plus a couple other lifetimes at this point there are any number of documentaries actually about nexium including the vow um whose second season i actually thought was quite interesting we talked Um, about it yeah we both really liked it maybe that'll be a conversation for another day but um it's just it, it the idea of the darkness that is looming and a lack of real responsibility of how this is going to go, plus the fact that this is a young actress at the center of this, and I just feel a little bit uncomfortable <laughs> that about, about the storytelling that's taking place, and it's just I think unfortunate. And also, as you said, the character actors who are involved, this like ensemble of performers, are all so fantastic and. Um, they're just incredibly, they're mm. talented at their craft. I'm sure there are any number of people who are a part of the crew and a part of production who are talented. I'm not saying that, I'm also not saying that Sam and The Weeknd are not. It's just, this is like a very unfortunate ride. And I think it's honestly sort of deserved that they yeah. um, premiere, you know, after Succession and Barry have ended. Because it's like, yeah, you've seen the best. Now see what what we've been working on. Like you deserve to have this happen after such heights because this is what you've invested in and you've decided to show it. So show it off. Meanwhile, it'll be like two more years before we see another season of Euphoria. I feel like every show, well, that plus the Writers Guild and obviously shout out to the WGA who we fully yeah. support, but it's it's going to be interesting. And as people who love reality TV, it'll be interesting to see the ways that as scripted um, shows are, you know, mm-hmm. continue to be on pause. The kind of potential storytelling that we'll see on reality, I'm sure, will have a place of prominence um, potentially in the months moving forward. So more to come on that. Um, Dylan Hafer. I mean, the idol. Do you think they'll find the idol? Do you think they'll find it? Like, is it <laughs> the hidden the immunity ground? idol? <laughs> what if Jeff Probst? joined the idol and like maybe at the end of the episode he sat down mm. with what's her name lily rose and lily he rose. said lily what are lily your thoughts <laughs> 
and said, Lily, what are your thoughts? And, you know, did you have a conversation with this person before that competition? And like, who are you going to vote for? But don't tell me because that's what we do at the end. And she just, you know, signs like the days of the week on like the thing. And she flashes it to the camera. And then we get to end after two episodes instead of six. I think that would be wonderful. Uh, Sam Levinson, your tribe has spoken. (laughs) Sam Levinson, the tribe has spoken. And we say uh, five more to go. Um, Dylan (laughs) Hafer, a pleasure to have you on Taking It Personally. Your first time after 80, 90 episodes of Andy's Girls that you're on tip, TIP. Something like that. Thanks for having me. How'd this was fun. This was different. It was great. It was a fun ride. I'm excited to have you back and talk about... Um, something better, hopefully. Something better or possibly worse because I have to tell you, you know, taking it personally is obviously in its early days. Um, this is the second show that we have discussed. And I really was thinking about like the power of television and how it can inspire and bring people together. And there is something so wonderful about coming mm. together to talk about how much something a, a show fucking sucks. And <laughs> I really hadn't considered it. And I am so happy because I truly am inspired and am taking this conversation personally. I am quite literally taking it personally as wow. a result. Me too. I mean, me too. Me too. That's a word that Sam (laughs) (laughs) has some thoughts on. I'm sure that'll be a part of episode four to five. (laughs) Oh my God, on that note, um, hashtag women supporting women. Um, Dylan Hafer, tell the AGs, tell the tippers. We're we're working. We're we're workshopping. I'm sure okay. Sam will have some ideas of maybe a phrase that'll work. Um, tell the folks uh, at home or wherever on their way. It's the fun of podcasting. It's on the go. Where they can follow you on social and listen to mention it all. Yeah. Um. So you can follow me at Dylan Hafer on Instagram. Um. And then I run at Bravo by Betches. If you're into Housewives and uh, Andy's Girls and all that stuff follow me there um and then you can listen to mention it all wherever you get your podcasts incredible and i'm so excited for our upcoming episode of ag classic we talk an awful lot about new jersey pump rules orange county and a little bit about atlanta an absolute variety pack of delight and i'm so glad to see housewives when it comes to the Andy's girls schedule of events after, you know, an intense time for those of us watching Vanderpump. So um, thankful to you for helping bridge that gap. Really appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Bridging the gap is potentially the title of this episode. On that note, guys, follow me on Instagram at Dame Galley. Join the AG Patreon and support the creation of more episodes like this and also the ones that you listen to on AG Classic. Patreon.com slash Andy's girls. You get exclusive bonus episodes and so much more. Dill, thanks again for joining us. Guys, thanks for listening. <laughs> he picked up the microphone and put him right back down. Um, here in the Clophis, and it's exciting to have taking it personally, you know, just poke its head out and say, what's up? So thanks to you guys for listening and supporting. Let me know your thoughts, and we will chat with you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.